You're listening to Outside Radio. Welcome to yet another episode of Queering It Up, a show that talks about all things queerness. I know, I know, I know, we haven't spoken in a while, but yay, I'm back. I'm back, I'm back today with a great guest, author, an amazing person, Nathaniel Richards. How are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm good. So today, this Nathaniel, you're going to introduce yourself because you know how the drill goes. Mm -hmm. You take up your own voice. You tell people who you are. I'm Nathaniel. I am the author of a book called Comfort It is a poetry book, a personal poetry, and I released it last year. Where are you from? I'm from Manchester, Manchester. in the UK. In the yes. UK. Mm-hmm. Ah. And where did you get to China? Oh God, this is my fourth year in China now. It's a while. It is a while, and it feels like double that time. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know how China is so tiring. Listen to me, especially this year. It's been crazy for <laughs> everybody. Like we can't go anywhere. We're stuck mm-hmm. in this place. Mm-hmm. So before China, I was living in Milan. I was in Italy. Mm. I was working there as a teacher and I wasn't looking for a job in China. A school contacted me through Scroll, which is like an online platform for international schools and teachers. Mm. And I turned on the job three times because I was like, <laughs> I don't want to go. Yeah, I was like, I'm happy in Italy. I wasn't getting a lot of money, but I was mm. happy, like just genuinely happy. And it got to the point where I just kept offering more money, where my mum was like, you can't really say no. Yes, so I went and that was it. Like I moved like within a few months and that was it. So you still at the same place that you were in? No, I left there in January. In January. So I I'd resigned in October and then I was due to start a new job in February and then the pandemic hit. Then you started in Jan. You did you did it? And then I <laughs> So I was due to start in February mm-hmm. and I kind of was doing, I was training the teachers online. I was doing like online training programs for the teachers and then it just became too much and I ended up leaving. Uh, so I take it you school. studied education? Yeah, I, I did child development and then I was doing my, ma- I finished my masters in, in March. Of this year? Yeah. So oh. they were using kind of that kind of, because my masters was in more like childhood anxiety kind of stuff and like China's trying to get into that whole field now. So you're like, this is, this is, this is a move for me. Yeah. So it kind of matches then with the whole theme of company. It does. It does. I feel like my life revolves around that word and it kind of came to me in a really weird way. How so? I had an app on my phone that would send me a different word every morning and the meaning of it. Mm-hmm. And one morning that word came up and compathy means it's a shared feeling of joy or sorrow. And it kind of spoke to me because when I was younger, I always felt like on my own and that nobody really understood me. Um, and then I moved to Italy and my first year was kind of like, crazy like everything was happening everything was new i couldn't speak the language when you moved to italy yeah and then my second year i started at a new school when was this oh god um when did i move there 2000 and oh god i don't know 15 
maybe 15, 2015. So about five years ago. Yeah, yeah, that, that's oh, right. Yeah. yeah, five years. Um, 2015, and I worked at this new school, and I met this 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 lady called Amy, and she was from the UK as well, and she was the person that kind of made things make sense for me. In terms of what? So she, I had all these feelings that I didn't understand for so long, and she kind of categorized it as being anxiety. Mm-hmm. And coming from a black family, especially a Caribbean one, mm-hmm. we don't yes. speak about things. And I know most black people, black families don't speak about like. You have to real get it stuff. together. Yeah, or like just like. I don't know. Mental health is just very stigmatized in our society, and it's getting better through social media and things like that. But it's still not where it needs to be. But why do you think that that's the case then? Why do I think yeah. that's the case? It was always like there's that whole thing right of like keep it in the family and like mm. don't tell anybody else, blah 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 blah. Or and I guess it's the same with most families. Like most families are kind of like. It's too close to home. Mm. Like it gets upsetting for like even when think traumatic things happen to you, like it's more difficult to tell your family than it is to tell your friends because you know you hurt them. And it's it's kind of like the thought of telling them is so scary because you know how hurt they would be, even though it happened to you. So you kind it's of It's not just about you to It's not just it. about you. It, it is. It's kind of like that, right? So she really made me look at what anxiety was mm-hmm. and like understand it and when I realized what it was and it just made me feel so much better because it was like I could put a name to these feelings that I'd always had because I just kept them to myself for so long because I just felt I was weird yeah. and it's so strange because me and her like she's a white lady from the, the Midlands of the UK I'm from the North she I don't know, we're just so different but so similar. And like we're all connected. Yeah, we just I spoke to her last night for like two hours. And like we just every time we just every time we speak, we're just like we are so similar. Mm. But our experiences are so different. Um so she kind of like helped me get through certain things and just realise that like I wasn't weird, it was just anxiety that was making me feel certain things. And she gave me tips on how to deal with it. Let's, 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 before we get to mm-hmm. how you came about to understanding mm-hmm. your anxiety, mm-hmm. who was Nathaniel growing who up? am I? Yeah. I was, and like, I ended up working with teenagers. Um, I was a youth worker for many years, but even working with teenagers. As a kid, it's trekking back. We're going back now. I know, but this is like, <laughs> this is going back to that. Like, oh, okay, okay. Sorry. Working with teenagers, I never met a teenager as shy as I was. Mm. I was super, super shy, like painfully shy. I have like my my younger sister, like a year younger than me. I was so shy that like we would go to like McDonald's and I couldn't pay. Like I was too afraid to like go to the counter, so I'd give her the money to go and pay. Like I was really, really shy. Like I was super shy. I would never speak, and like it's so strange. Really? Yeah, I was super, super shy. Like painfully shy, I just felt like I walk into every room and feel like everybody thought I was stupid. Uh, I don't so know where it came stupid. from, but like my sisters were always like I have an older sister who's ten years older than me, and Keisha, my younger sister, was always they were all 
they were both so much more confident than I ever was. And I have a cousin called Claire, and she was, she's two weeks older, no, two weeks younger than me, sorry. And she was always more confident than I was, and it just made me feel even more insecure. Why do you think the cause of that? Do you think it had anything to do with sexuality? I don't know where it came from. I just think it, I do think it's my personality. My personality is like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess it is. I guess in like our community, right, this this kind of like hyper masculinity. Yeah. And I guess it comes to that, like, I like hip hop. And I like, in the UK, we had this this moment where we were like, we we liked UK garage. Yeah. So we used to go to these raves, and obviously it's very, very, very macho in there. And I guess like I was. I was that when you were coming out of your show? It was, and I wasn't out yet. So yeah. I guess maybe things like that kind of made me feel a bit like, you know, I want to kind of shrink myself to fit in. Because, so that yeah, you're not. Fully you don't want to be targeted, right? Because um, like in high school, I got really badly bullied. Really? Yeah, I did. I got really badly bullied, and it was, it was, it was, it happened really strangely. It was, I was friends with my bullies for so long. One of them used to tell everybody that I was his cousin, because our parents knew each other before he bullied you. Or yeah, and how he, how it turned was, one day, um, we had like a library, and there was a class inside the library, and we had like these cubbies outside. And him and his friends started pulling out all of the the younger kids, mm-hmm. like backpacks and like stamping on them, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, why are we, why are you doing this? Like, what's the point? And just me standing up to him like that. And targeted yeah, he targeted me. And the, the, the reason why I stood up to him was like, I thought it was wrong anyway, but Keisha, my younger sister, it was her class that were in there. And I was just like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And then me standing up to him made him kind of turn against me. And you probably like, if not you, then who else can say it? Because you were basically cousins. Yeah, exactly. But um, but that he didn't like that. He didn't, that. Especially with, with people around. Like, he didn't like that. They turned on me. And, like, for the last two years of high school, I got really badly bullied. Um, and it was very difficult. Especially, like, my last year. Because my dad was very sick. My dad mm. had cancer in the last year of high school. So, I, I didn't tell anybody. And Keisha was still in, in the same school as well. I um, I just I tried to ignore it all because it was very, um, it was interesting how they did it. It was very like, for instance, there'd be like two people here and they would talk about me so I could hear but not directly to me because my mouth is slick. <laughs> so they wouldn't ever like face to face, like yeah. say something to me because I'd embarrass them. So they would do it in a way that it's like, it's kind of like a private conversation, but I could overhear. So it's kind of a bit more awkward for me to, to, go, to, jump to in challenge the them. Yeah. Um, you know what high school kids are like, they're very clever, right? Um, so that happened for a while. Um, and the moment, the, one of the moments that hurt me the most is the teachers ended up finding, I don't know who told the teachers. I feel like it was, um, my mom had spoken to one of the teachers and told him what was happening with my, with my dad. And I was in the lunch queue and one of the bullies said something to another bully and the other bully said, so I could hear, we have to be nice to him because his dad's dying. And that was like the most painful thing because I didn't know they knew as well. So somebody must have spoken to them. One of the teachers must have thought they were doing a good thing 
and was like, I will speak to these kids and tell them to leave this boy alone because he's dead that sick. Is... And it was so, and I ended up, I was a really good student, but I ended up rebelling and I was yeah. like, I'm not gonna do any work. Um, I ended up like failing in classes, not doing any essays. And when we had tests, I just wouldn't fill them in. I just got to sleep and like, I was playing Because you're dealing with everything all at yeah, once. Yeah, I was in, I was basically like, I was studying at home all night, going to school, doing the exams, it's the final exams, which gets you into college, um, doing exams, walking to the hospital, going to see my dad, spending time with him, he couldn't speak at that time, and then going home, revising, it's like a, a really weird cycle, but also getting bullied at the same time. It was just crazy, and like, nobody, I, I wrote about this on Instagram, like, nobody had asked me how I was, mm. until like, there was, was a teacher who, um, it was English, because English has always been my favourite subject. I was so good at creative writing that, like, this is where the poetry comes from. Comes from. I was, because I was so done with school, I ended up just being like, I'm going to use, like, my creative writing from primary school at high school. Mm-hmm. And I was still getting A's. That's how good I was. I was really, really good at creative writing. But in class, I just wasn't participating didn't anymore. Care. I didn't care. And I didn't think anybody noticed or even cared because some of the bullies were in my class. So I was like, I'm not doing anything so they can like judge me. Even more than yeah. what you're doing. And this guy, the teacher, he was a young teacher. I swear he must have been like 28. He was like a rugby player, uh, really macho. One day he held me back and I was like, oh. and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. And he was like, no, look at me. And he was like, are you okay? And oh my god, everything came, came out. Came out. Cause I, that's the first time someone's asked me. Nobody how asked me feeling. really. And it wasn't anybody's fault, like my family's fault. Everybody was dealing with the same thing, right? Mm. But it also comes back to the whole thing of like black families, right? Like not speaking. And it's like I get it. It's it's painful to ask your family member, especially like I was six no, I wasn't sixteen, I was fifteen at the time. Keisha was fourteen, like she was baby. It's painful to ask your like what what was my mom gonna say like? Because she's also dealing with it she's as well. Dealing with it. And she wasn't with my dad at the time, but that was her first, like, a childhood sweetheart. And, like, she had three kids with him. And, like, my older sister, Tasha, she was early 20s. She was a baby, too. Like, what could she do? Um, but anyway, so he asked me that. And I was... Instead of boiling. I was just in bits. <laughs> I was in bits. And then, like, from that moment, he told my form tutor, who's called Mrs. Lewis, and to this day, like, her and my, my parents are still friends. Like, that yeah. was like, I've not been in school for since 2001. Um, and she came to the house and told my parents what was happening. But it was also a kind of weird moment for me because they wanted to say, what were they bullying me about? But it was about my sexuality. And I, I wasn't out yet. So I was just like, oh, they're the same skinny. And like... And but like, you knew they were bullying you because of your sexuality. They were openly doing it to me, but I wasn't ready to tell my parents. So I was just like, oh, the same skin. And my mum was like, but they're the same you skin. Because now you have it. to confess. Yeah, I, I have to come out and deal with this I, bullying. Yeah, deal with everything. everything that's happening to me like right now is too much. So you, you took the skinny route. I was like, like, oh, yeah, the same skin. <laughs> and that was it. And I, my mum was like, and that's it. And I was like, yeah, that's it. That's what they say. I don't know what these bullies are thinking. Listen, it's on them. 
So that yeah. must have really taken like a hit on your self-esteem. It was difficult. It was so difficult. It's the most difficult time I've ever had. And then like I ended up leaving high school and literally like and I at a time I didn't get this, but um I get it now. Literally like my best friend Dion, I'm still best friends with her now. Mm-hmm. Like twenty-five years later. Her and there was this guy called Femi, he was from Nigeria, he was one of my really good friends. Literally only her, my friend Joanne, mm-hmm. and my friend Charlotte and Femi, they were the only friends I, I had at that time after I left school. Because nobody spoke to me. But I know why, because everybody found out that my dad had passed and we were like 15, 16. Nobody knew how to deal with him or what to say. It, we, were, we were way too young, like what do you say? So people just avoided me. But for me at the time, I felt so isolated. Because yeah. even when I was getting bullied, you couldn't understand. I couldn't understand it. Because even when I was getting bullied, I was still, I still. It was weird because I was still popular. I had friends. It was so weird, but I just never told them what was happening because it wasn't like openly. Mm. It was very sneaky how they did it. Because also, I had way too many cousins. I had cousins at the school. Like I could have got, and I, my older sister's crazy as well. Like she, when she actually did find out, she went on a rampage looking for all everybody all everybody everybody um i have my family's too big so like it, i could have said one word and like it could have like ended. ended right there but like you don't want all the attention on you and especially because what the focus was on it was on my sexuality how did that then um help you in moving forward it didn't <laughs> but like i went to college well actually i didn't go to college straight away i went to culinary school so people, most people don't know i'm a trained chef okay, okay bitch i'm a trained chef by that time wait were you out already or still i not? still was not out i wasn't out so when i did that i finished culinary school and then i was like now i'm ready to go to college and i knew some of my um people from my year group were still at college but maybe the year above me but I still went to college um, and then I had a few troubles because I've been at my course, I had to, my culinary course, yeah. I, was st- I had to work full time as well. So I felt like grown, right? So I'm yeah, like, like, I'm cooking, I'm, yeah, I'm working. I'm getting a wage and all that. So when I went to college, my college was the feeder school of my, my high school, which was very religious. Mm. So the college was very religious. We had to go to mass and all this kind of stuff. And it was very strict. So I kind of felt like, you know, I'm an adult now because <laughs> I've been working, I'm like 17. Um, so I kind of was rebelling a lot and then I got in trouble and my mum got bored in and with the, like, the head at of college. school. Yeah, at college, with the head of school. And it came out that like, you know, I hadn't... In college, you had to meet the head of school? Yeah. <laughs> I was just not, I was not going to, I was cussing teachers out. Mm-mm. Because you were grown man. I, was, I thought I was grown. Looking back, I was not. <laughs> I was not grown. But anyway, so it came out that like I had to go to the school chaplain and like get counselling. Because in the, in this meeting, I ended up being like, I miss my dad. And like, oh, things came out. And <laughs> now I'm like, cause my, now my background is mental health. That's what I did my mm. master's in. Now I'm looking back, I'm like, this lady was terrible. Anyway, I went to this chaplain and I sat down, it was a white lady, older white lady and, and the worst thing about it is like, she was a lesbian as well Like, she could have helped me if she had the skills, she was the right person to go to um, And she was like, do you want to 
uh, are you, how are you? And I was like, not good. And she's like, do you want to talk about it? And I was like, no. And she's like, okay, you can leave. What? And I left. And there was no follow up. I never heard from her again. This bitch that was, was not even trying. That was not, that was it. That was it. That was it. And she's That's still, what she got paid for. And she's still at the school? I don't know. That was so long ago. That was it. How, she could have failed me so, if I wasn't the type of person I am, mm. something terrible could have happened to me at that point. But I can't believe she just let it go yeah. just like that. She was like, okay. And then let me walk out. No follow up, nothing else. Um, so so your, your, your cycle just continued then? I, do you know what, what changed my mind? I, so in, in college I did business studies, I did mm. media studies and I did sociology. My sociology teacher, was just, she's, she's somebody in the, in the book. Mm. She's Miss Matthews in the book. I wrote a poem oh, yes. called Miss Matthews. So she, I, oh God, she spoke a lot about self-fulfilling prophecy and black boys. Cause our sociology focuses a lot on black boys and like self-fulfilling prophecy and like how we are told we're gonna fail so much that we just fail. Yeah. But in the class, she would call me bone idol. She would say, you know, um, what did she what did she say to me now? She would say like, you know, you're not gonna you're, gonna, you're not gonna make anything of yourself like all the rest of the boys and all this kind of stuff. And the weird thing about it was like I was a good student. She'd even like call me out for that speaking, and then other students would be like, the father's not saying anything, like just things like that. So she was against you. She had this vendetta against me i don't know what it was it was so bizarre so 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 bizarre um and then she told me i was one day she told me i was gonna fail and that was what changed my mind i was like, like i'm a fool this no. bitch wrong. yeah i was like <laughs> hell no because even in high school like i got like i got five gcse's which was good for what i was going through mm. but i didn't study mm. i just coasted because i didn't i wasn't doing anything and looking back, I could have done really, really done well. That. I could have done really, really well. I don't know why you self-sabotage when you're going through stuff sometimes. You but do. that's what I was doing. That's what I was doing. You know, as you then grew older, did you then start understanding? I understood. I was like, she made me understood. She, I was kind of like, this world isn't for us. We need to try harder than everybody else. And then I ended up... <laughs> I ended up getting... Did the, do the exams and stuff. Our results came out. And I got... Actually, before that happened, we did coursework, and I got the highest in the class. Mm. Um, and she wanted to be like, oh, I want to find it well done. I was like, don't look at me. <laughs> you told me I'm going to fail, so fuck oh, you, bitch. listen, and then, and then when I got, I ended up passing the course, the whole A-level, she tried to give me a hook, and I, I was no. like, I sidestepped, I was like, girl. <laughs> no, nah. I was like, no, no, no. I told my mom, my mom was like, Right? Yeah! Like, she told me I was gonna fail in the front of a class of students. I'm like, we're teachers now. Like, imagine. That's no. awful. You did nothing for me. No, no way. Because you could have easily broken me. For real, for real, for real. And like, I knew so many people from high school who were black boys that couldn't get into college and stuff like that. Like, I was lucky to be there. Especially what I'd been through at that yeah. point. I was so young. But, um... In college then, how did you deal with your... Your sexuality relating to the passing of your father, to mm-hmm. this bitch as teacher. Like how did how was how was that experience? Oh god, going back. Let me think. 
I feel, and I don't even know if this is real, I think this is in my mind. <laughs> but when my dad was passing, he said to me, he couldn't, he wasn't speaking a lot, but he said to me, it's okay, you can be whatever you want. And I just took that as like he knew. I did take that as he knew. Um, and it made me feel a lot better. But he died before I got my GCC results. That, that's what pained me. Um, he didn't he, get you to see you succeed. Like, no, he school. didn't. Cause like he died the first week in July and we got our results a bit like in July, but a bit later. So he just missed it, which was crazy. Um, but in terms of my sex, I didn't come out till I was like 19 to my parents. Mm. My friends knew, but college was an important time for me. Because I made this friend called Rebecca, this white girl, and she had a friend called Andrew. And Rebecca was the first person that took me out on the gay village, which is Canal Street in Manchester, which is like the area for like openly gay people. It's like gay bars and gay clubs and stuff like that. And she showed me around and I feel lucky that she was somebody that took me around because I know people have had darker stories where it's been older guys that took them around and like took advantage of them. But she really protected me and she was from like a really rough area in Manchester and she was very, very ballsy and she was very, very tough and she always protected me. But she showed me like, she made me, she made me feel normal. She normalized things for was me. Was she the same age as you? She was, she was the same age as me. Mm-hmm. Um, and Andrew was somebody I'd never met before because he was openly gay and he'd been openly gay for so long since school. So it's kind of like, oh my god, like, like this is doable. I yeah. can just be myself. It kind of, to a point, because he was white. Ah. <laughs> and it always goes back to that, right? Yep. Because all the, and even when I started to go out on the gay village, all the black guys I knew were still closeted. Mm. Um, so that was kind of like, I don't, I don't. It's not the same shit. It's, it's not like the same. Shit it's experience. not the same. Because um, Manchester has really, 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 high um amount of like the 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 caribbean community is really 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 like vast Um, where in the caribbean are you from um my my dad was from jamaica Mm -hmm. and my mom's from nevis thank you thank you from nevis yeah how did your mom take it then (laughs) (laughs) she'll laugh at this now because she's like a completely different person but at the time so this is how it happened so my my stepdad's wife He was like, oh my God, we're always here for you, supporting you, blah, 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 blah. Because that's the kind of person he is. Because I kind of came out, I was, I didn't come out, I was kind of forced out. Awesome. My mom kind of guessed because I had a friend called Dan who... Who was it a friend? He was, I, the weird thing about it was like, he was a friend. Uh. Um, but like, we shared bed together and stuff. And my mom just assumed one day, and it wasn't even true. But then that was a good a good excuse for me to come out. Mm. So she asked me and I was like, yeah. And she didn't take it very well. My sisters, I have three sisters. I have like an older sister and two younger ones. They were so angry at me. They were like, they how could you tell mom before us? Why did you not tell us? They did not care. Like they were just like, why didn't you just tell us? Mm. They, they were so good and my stepdad was so good. My mom was really, really like mean to me about it for a while. And like even when we'd have arguments, it would come up and it'd be like she'd make like disparaging comments to me about it, and it was really hurtful. 
And then it wasn't until like I got into my first real relationship with this guy and she fell in love with him. Like she loved him so much. A few years after that, she was like, I was so scared. And she, it made so much sense to me. She was like, my generation, I'm like being Caribbean. I just assumed that you would not go to, to, to university. You wouldn't get good jobs. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do anything with yourself. Like all these things were against you because I was always, because I'm, I'm the only boy, right? Mm. I was always really nervous that you were a black boy born into this world anyway. And then you were going to be black and gay. Like you would get that too. Right? Yeah. And that was her fear. So, uh, but she was like, and then I realized that when you got with this person that like, you were so happy and then you went to uni with him. Things are possible. Yeah, you went to uni and then you ended up doing really well for yourself. And then like, she just loves it now. Now she's always like, oh my God, are you going to get a boyfriend? She loves it. Like, she's so proud of me now. How did you feel when she had the turnaround when you when you were dating your boyfriend? Because I'm sure it was really at relieving. the beginning. It was, it was, it was such a big relief. Like, I was just like, oh, I was like breathing <sighs> and I, I was breathe. like tense for so long. But she was like, and to be fair to him, it's like, I've not spoken to him for a while, but like we have like, we never had like any um, bad vibes to each other. Like mm. even years after I um, had split up with him, like I was working at um, a school and he donated like all this stuff for the school and he helped me a lot. And like, he's just a really good person. And I think that's what my mum really liked about him. And he was good for me. And this is a good influence on myself. Yeah. And she saw like our like her generation hadn't seen healthy gay relationships, right? Mm. And we lived together. We were together for like four years. And like we lived together yeah. and like we just were like a normal relationship and that changed everything. Like when did you start writing Campathy? You know, I didn't even know this word. I was like Campathy. I was like, is that I know. A, I was like, is that a you word? funny? And I Googled it. I was like, okay, actually. Yeah, it means it's like a shared feeling of joy or sorrow. Yeah. Um When did you start writing it? Okay. How did the the whole I know uh, the, the the name of it came mm. about when with the daily reminders yeah. of words but then how did the book situation come about okay so I wrote uh, it released last year mm-hmm. and I probably was writing it like a year before although because I had to go back to it today because I don't read I don't read my stuff I had to go back to it and be like there are like three poems that are older mm-hmm. a lot older than the rest of them um, Coconut Oil mm-hmm. is the one about the boy I was telling you about. That's my first boyfriend. That was about him because he was very like he was from a very affluent family and he hadn't been around many Caribbean people before. So Coconut Oil talks about how he really wanted to know about my culture. Mm-hmm. He wanted to learn how to cook Caribbean food. He wanted to know about the, the, cause like, both my parents are Caribbean, right? So, for like, the, the first like seven years of my life, I didn't hear any pop music. I heard Calypso and I heard reggae mm-hmm. and that was it. Like, so that's what I grew up on. Most people don't know that about me, but like, my, my- What I, is Calypso? You don't know Calypso? I don't know that bitch. Oh my God, I'm going with it. If my mom heard you say that, she'd slap Because my mom was like, because my mom's from the small island, they like Calypso. Uh, my, dad, my dad was from Jamaica, so he likes reggae, right? Um, Calypso's really, f- I can't explain it. It's like a really fast version of 
I don't know how you would explain it. Oots, 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 no, no, it's not like that. I would say a lot of this reggaeton music mm-hmm. steals a lot from Calypso, but it's a bit slower. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like that, right? Okay. Calypso is very, the beat's very fast, but it's still very Caribbean vibes. Yeah, so he wanted to know all about me and like, I hadn't had that before when I've dated people, like, wanting to know like all about what I was interested in. And even people since then, a lot of people want to change how I am and like how- No one was interested in you. Yeah, they want me to be like somebody else. And I'm a very particular person, like, I'm not normal. (laughs) I'm not a normal person. And it's taken me a long time to be like, kind of like, comfortable with who I am. I'm like, no, like, if you don't like to be around me, and that's friends, that's relationships, that's like, everything, like. I liked, right at the beginning, with, with, with Mountain, Mountain. That's my favorite poem. Mountain, because it speaks so much to everyone in general, the fact that you have to tell yourself, like, okay, today, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. You might not be in the mood, mm-hmm. but you're doing it. You mm-hmm. don't have a choice. You have to get out there, collect your money, collect everything, mm-hmm. but uh, don't dwell in, in, in your sorrow. You have to mm-hmm. keep it moving. You have to keep going. And that's just how mm-hmm. life is. Yeah. That you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, chin up, girl. And keep going. And keep going. My sister asked me, she, she knew about this, this, this interview today, and she was like, what's your favorite poem? And like people have asked me that before, I'm like, uh, it mountain is it's, mountain is my favorite because it's the first time I ever wrote about anxiety. Because mm. that's what it's all about, right? It's all about anxiety, and it's like my friend Bianca always her favorite line is when I talk about how um, using modesty as a way of no modesty. I use modesty as um. An excuse for like self-doubt. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Um, she always says that because like I'm really harsh on myself. Mm-hmm. I'm more harsh on myself than ever. So like I don't care about what people think about me. I care more about like how I feel about me and how I present myself. So like I mess up a lot. I yeah. I have a temper and I don't always deal with things in the best way. But other people like will get over it, mm-hmm. but I will still dwell. I overthink things so much, and that's what comes from my anxieties, right? But then, when I give advice to other people, I'm kind of like, oh, but like, why are you doing things what other people would do for you? Like, why are you being so harsh on yourself? And other people would gladly do that for you. Like, that doing. yeah, it's uh, I, that's my what's my my worst trait. I need mm-hmm. to like stop being so harsh on harsh myself. Mm-hmm. Have. Have you gotten better? I've tried. I have gotten better than when I was younger. Mm. When I was always worse when I was younger. Um, and like how I've gotten better is because I'm like, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Mm. But that's okay because not everybody's my cup of tea. That's true. Who are you talking about in, if I may ask, in what's this called? Skin. Was like, I was literally was reading two, with Annalisa. There was two. Po- oh, Annalisa. I was out. reading with Annalisa, and I was like, "Ooh." What did she say? We were like, "Damn, men ain't shit." Do you know? Okay. <laughs> Let me like, because Nathaniel, there was that line that said, "No one." I even wrote it. I was like, "If you leave, no one else will want you, and you're damaged and unfixable." 
So, writing poetry is very, obviously, clearly, it's very, you can be very vulnerable uh-huh. and you can upset people. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know who I was going to upset and I didn't know it was going to be my older sister. Mm-hmm. So, she loves, like, I have, <laughs> nobody knows it, but I had a book before this and I hate it so much so I don't talk about it. I'm not going to tell you the name of it. <laughs> um, and I'm not proud of it. But this book is my, I love this book because it's just very like, you bared your soul. I did. And it wasn't all about relationships. Whereas the last one was, I think it was mostly about that. This was about a lot of things. It was about like police brutality. It was about anxiety. It was was about relationships as well. It was about my dad. It was about, so I was in my first real relationship was with somebody from high school and mm-hmm. um, we weren't in school anymore I was going and I told you I was going to the gay village with my friend Rebecca and I met this person one of your bullies no it wasn't <laughs> well, that would have been, that'd have been true. that's a home that's a movie um, he wasn't one of my bullies he was just a guy that in school was straight I didn't know he was gay um, and I saw him like oh hey blah 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 we swapped numbers I went around and we started dating um on the DL, or mm, he's he was out to his parents actually. Oh. So I go I go out to his house most of the time, and then he ended up coming out to my house a lot. And like I wasn't out, but like my mum just thought it was my friend from school. Um, and then a year passed, and like my mum fell in love with him. My mum loved him. This is before my first boyfriend actually. Yeah. She liked him, but um, she was still kind of she thought he was a friend. That's why she liked him. <laughs> she didn't think it was like a boyfriend or anything. And then one day, me, me and Rebecca, and Dion was there as well. My best friend Dion was there too. We went out to the club, but he used to dance in clubs and stuff. And he was there with a group of friends. And one of his friends went to the toilet and I went to the toilet as well. And I spoke to his friend and I was like, oh, how do you know him? And he was like, oh, he's been my boyfriend for two years. Ooh. And I've been with him for one year. Ooh. So I was like, what the fuck? And I still stayed. And I don't know why. I was nineteen. That's why. Um, it happens though. But that, but skin, all the stuff that's in skin. Him saying like, my friends don't like yeah. me. Really, his friends don't like me. If I leave him, like, there's no, nowhere else you can no, go. Don't, nobody else would want me. Um, don't smile. Because my smile's not nice. Um, That's mean. He said such awful things to me. He was like, he was terrible. But it was like, and he, the worst thing about him is that he knew what I'd just been through because he was in my high school. Mm. So he knew I was grieving still. I was vulnerable. And that's what these people do, right? Emotional abuse is, the ter- is, is terrible. Like, But they go for the who... They know he's, he's, he's vulnerable, right? So that's why they, they know where exactly to They do, it. they do. And just gradually over the years, he just broke me down and broke me down, broke me down, broke me down. And it came to the point where we went out and he was really young, but he's really, really good looking. And he was talking to me a lot. And this guy got really jealous, even though he had a whole boyfriend. Of two years. Listen, and... He punched me in the face what? in a bar in front of oh, all of no. his friends. Punched me in the face and then left. And his friends, his best friends, were like, "Why are you still with him?" They were like, "Why are you still with him?" 
and that was kind of like I was like okay that's when like ding 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 it kind of it kind of woke me up and then like he was messaging me calling me all week and then he was like let's go for brunch and I went for brunch with him and he kept bringing up this guy the young guy and I was like why did he bring this guy up and basically he tracked this guy down because I ended up going home with this guy that night because I was upset. I mean, you also needed a shoulder to cry on. I did. But ended, he ended up chasing this young guy. He slept with him. After me. And I, so I was like, and he was like, oh, because he came to my house. And I was like, so you only met up with me today to tell him that you slept with this guy to hurt me? Like, what the fuck is this? And he said, yes. Ah. Uh-huh. And I got up and I walked out and I never saw him again. of this man. Listen, and... To this day, if I mention his name to my friend Dion, she would like punch me. Have you <laughs> she seen hates him? him since? I saw him. So I moved to Milan and I saw him one year I was back in Manchester. And the funny thing about him was like, he was trying to be like flirty and stuff. And I was just like, what are you doing? No, stop it. But you know what he said to me? He's like, I don't like this new you. And I was like, you don't like the fact that you can't manipulate me yep. anymore. That's all it was. Um, and then we never spoke of again. What a bitch. But that's where a lot of my insecurities come from. Because the thing of what they say about insecurities and like abusive and emotional relationships is, you know, usually when you get out of them, you know what you no longer want, right? Yeah. So you're like, warning signs, you, you notice them sooner and you don't, kind of fall into the same traps because you're more cautious but also what I feel is that and nobody really talks about this I feel like you tend to accept things in your newer relationships that aren't healthy but they're better than your last one yeah so like as long as he's not as long as it's not like mm. the monster you had before yeah. you kind of accept certain like nitpicky things which still aren't healthy but because it's like it's, it's not it's better than what you came yeah. from right and i don't think that's healthy either so like I, but nobody so, really talks about that i liked out there for me okay i like that i liked out there for me because with with, with that one you were basically saying Fuck it, yes, I've had this, these couple of traumatic situations, mm-hmm. however, I'm not compromising. No. I'm not settling for anything that, less than what I deserve. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would love, I'm seeking for love, I'm yearning for it, mm-hmm. however, if it's not the right love, I'm not taking it. No. And that's beautiful because a lot of people tend to... Just when they find some sort of love, they just mm. like, yes, I'm gonna hold on they to it. They do. I don't search for love. I'm like, usually, like before my last relationship, mm. it'd been eight years, and it's probably gonna be a few years, the mm. next one. I don't know why, I just go through, it takes me a long time to get back to me. Because mm. yeah, obviously in a relationship, you like make compromises, and like, you have to be a different, you can't be, you, you, people say like, you, this person makes me feel like complete by myself, but you can never be completely yourself in a relationship because you have to make some compromises. In some way, you do, because it's kind of like, people have different needs, what they want from a relationship, right? You, I'm not going, I don't want it. Like I want it, <laughs> like in my head, but I'm like, 
It's difficult. It's difficult. My my weak ass would probably (laughs) compromise a lot, and they would end up breaking. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's hard to kind of stick true to who you Mm. are because you want to be. And I who was I talking to about this? Me. Oh, my friend Pindy. I mean, Pindy was talking about like I was talking about like relationships where people want me to dress a certain way. Mm. Like, why a series of poems Mm -hmm. rather than a full book or short stories? Poetry was always my go-to. Like my favorite poet is Allen Ginsberg. I mean, my kids. Oh, you. Addict, Addict, you signature. Even, you even have. Oh, I dedicated yes, the poem. Dedica- dedica- dedication to yeah, him. Yeah, I did. That's my favorite poet. Um, do you know what? When I first started writing, I was writing songs. When they were trash, they were trash as hell. I was like listening to a lot of like American album beer. It was like that men don't want me. <laughs> it was all trash. It was like scrubs and all of that nonsense. Um, You're like this is not it. Yeah, but you know, I, I then I got into like writing. I got really into Tupac. Mm. I was a big Tupac fan when I was younger, and then I started writing stuff. And I like the fact that Tupac wrote about. He was very political, right? So he wrote about like the black struggle. Mm. Um, and it was kind of like at that time it was kind of like Tupac versus Biggie kind of thing um, and I never really understood the Biggie part of it and then I realised that like they were both talking about the same thing they both talked about the back struggle but from mm. different aspects right yes. Tupac had the history of his family being involved in the Black Panther movement and all this kind of stuff whereas Biggie he I related to him more because his mum was from Jamaica mm. And he was just talking about like how he had no choice but to sell drugs because he didn't have the education and all this kind of stuff. And it was they were talking about the same thing, like but just from different perspectives, yeah. but it was all from the same struggle. And so I became a bigger fan of like Biggie at that point. Mm-hmm. Um so then I started to like play around with words. I've always been obsessed with words and creative writing. Um and um, six. You write really well. I didn't say that. You write really well. Thank you. Um, Sixteen, I properly started writing. Mm. Um, but they were all trash. I found them all when I went home last time. It was like two hundred poems, and I burnt them all because it was so bad. <laughs> I was embarrassed. I was like, anybody found these? What do you want people to take away from Compathy? I say, in. The, in the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. before the poems start, I say like for anybody that's been through like struggles and things like that, I want to say like you need to kind of like understand that your anxiety is like every, I feel like everybody has anxiety. Mm. It's normal. Like you just need to realize how to deal with it because for a long time before I met Amy, it made me feel like I was fucked up, mm. and because. There was nobody in my family I could talk to about it. It kind of just confirmed it because like nobody was talking about it, so they're fine. Because that's what we feel, right? Yeah. If nobody else is talking about the same things, it's just me. I'm fucked up, and anxiety makes you feel like so alone. I just want people to realize that like life is hard, man. But and you're not alone. Also. You're not alone, but you're not alone. There's always somebody you can speak to about, and that's what it is. It's speaking about things like, and that's one thing I had to teach myself. And that's why I left, because before I moved to, to Italy, I'd been, I lived in America a few mm-hmm. times, and like, I moved in America like three times. Oh my gosh, where, where else, where have you not been? <laughs> but like, 
things like that like I know I, it sounds bad they know this anyway getting away from my family was how I learned how to communicate more mm-hmm. and that what helped me deal with so many issues that I had had and that's why like now like my mom my mom asked me for advice and stuff like that because she realized I put in the work on how to like better myself and I'm still not perfect I have a lot of faults but uh, I'm trying we're constantly learning as we are growing we are we are we are where can people get hold of uh, Compathy it's on Amazon and Amazon Kindle Amazon, Amazon King. Yes. And then people, where can they get a hold of you on social media? I am on Instagram, N A E U K. Nay U K. How do you say it? Nay U K. My nickname is Nay. I used to That's say Nake. Do you know what? Somebody, somebody we both know actually. They, the first time I met them, yeah. I, we had mutual friends for the first time and they were like, Nay U K, Nay U K. They thought that was my name. I was like, my name's Nathaniel. But it's Nay. N A E U K, yeah. That makes sense. That's on Insta. <laughs> so if people want to like uh, DM you regarding the book, Instagram, I'm always on Instagram. That's my life. Mm. That's my favorite app in the world. Any parting words? It's been nice to speak to you, and that's it really. But <laughs> please buy his book. Actually, <laughs> like on the real, like it's amazing. It's I I enjoyed reading it because I was like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be such a slip. We having to. Wow, read. I know. I thought because I was like, I'm so busy. I, I know really, you were because really, it was really, so really, short. Really, no, really. it's that's why I was like, you have it, you have have time. You don't have to. But as I was reading, I was like, this is actually okay. like I'm, I'm I'm within it. I'm enjoying it. Okay, cool. And then I would read one, and then I'd analyze. I'd be like. Okay. Thank you so much for doing this. Like I really enjoyed myself. I did too. Catch him, Nathaniel Richards at Nay UK N A E UK. Yeah. Right. N A E UK. I had to like think about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then also catch us on www at outsideradio.live or at outside radio on Instagram. And also catch me at Lele the Guy on Twitter. And at Lele2 underscore G on Instagram. See you next time. Bye. You're listening to Outside Radio.